0: What's up, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn at Go Along. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast here. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, got to fly solo again on this episode. A little last-minute change, just trying to strike a perfect time with Jim. We're both uh, busy guys here writing stories at Go Along. Jim getting everything lined up with the XFL. We promise we will join forces uh, for a podcast very soon, out of these championship games. That is Serafino in the background. Say hi, Sonny. He just polished up some, uh, some spaghetti and meatballs, so he's he's feeling good. Got a little Paw Patrol on. No better way to get ready for Championship Sunday. Uh, thank you so much for reading. Have a feature live at Go Long right now on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of going full heel. I uh, wasn't sure what to expect on the trip down to Cincinnati this week. Uh, figured it'd be really interesting to kind of dig into their uh, their disrespected roots, right? I, I think that a lot of players and a lot of teams are always trying to find motivational ploys and bulletin board material. It's happening this week with the Burrowhead stuff, where real motivation, uh, real, a real sense of disrespect comes in your upbringing, where you come from, how everybody kind of landed in Cincinnati because... Other teams didn't really want him. This is one team that was able to spend money the last couple of years. So, dove into those personalities. And I know we got a lot of Bills fans who listen to this podcast or are listening to this and thinking, what the hell? I can't stand these Bengals. They were dancing all over our graves in that playoff game. Screw them and screw Eli Apple for what he said Monday night. Well, you could probably tell that right to Eli Apple himself and the Cincinnati Bengals themselves and Trey Flowers, who said, we are the villains. We're the bad guys in this movie. Let's see how this movie ends. Uh, so, hey, credit to them for leaning into this, uh, I guess you could call it a bad boy image and leading in to, uh, you know, kind of kind of who they are as a team. Going into Kansas City, calling their shot. I, I think it's refreshing, and it, it's really refreshing when guys like Mike Hilton say what they say. And don't back down from it. Own it. Um, Need more of that in in the world in general. So um, anyways, this podcast episode, I'm joined by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire. A really, really smart football mind. Covers the San Francisco 49ers all over the place. Has his own podcast here on the Blue Wire Network, Candlestick Chronicles. You can catch his post-game work at 95.7 out there on the West Coast. I had a really good conversation here talking Brock Purdy, uh, D'Amico Ryans, Fred Warner got into the X's nose of the matchup a little bit and then big picture with Brock Purdy and in the quarterback situation there in San Francisco. So uh, thank you so much for listening, for sharing, and most of all for reading and subscribing to Golongtd.com. Enjoy the conversation. And as always this podcast fueled by our friends at fatty beer company, get on in IPAs, seasonals, sours, anything you'd want. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. All right. I am joined by my good friend, Kyle Madsen of many, many, many places. I have it up here just so I don't forget, Kyle. Uh, (laughs) We all know you're the managing editor at the Niners Wire, where you're kind enough to uh, share the love at Go Long and Blood and Guts. You had me on your show as well. So thanks so much for that. Uh, Candlestick Chronicles here on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, get your 49ers fixed there for sure, and I didn't know this until we were texting earlier this season, but you do the post-game show at 95.7, and we absolutely have talked on that show as well, so all things San Francisco 49ers, right. at Kyle A. Madsen, that's M-A-D-S-O-N. How are you, Kyle?
1: I'm doing great. It's Saturday before the NFC Championship game, so I'm I'm in a good spot. <laughs> I
0: mean, this is a. Let's just jump right into it because it it kind of blows my mind how San Francisco has been in this game. It feels like every year, and usually the team that's in this game every year has a good quarterback, an elite quarterback, and they've just created a different kind of monster of positionless players and Mister Irrelevance at quarterback and Hall of Fame left tackles and pass rushers. But I mean. How, how has this been built to last, do you think? Because I, I don't think there's been many teams in NFL history, at least our lifetime, where they didn't really have that great of a quarterback yet to compete year after year after year after year.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a different team building philosophy. And Kyle Shanahan said it from the day he was hired. There's I think the original number he said was seven, but I think it's probably closer to like four or five elite throwers of the football elite quarterbacks in the league and the odds of getting one of those guys when there's already a Patrick Mahomes and a Joe Burrow and a Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers, if you want to throw him in there, like pick your, just pick your guys. Finding one of those guys is really difficult. And the Niners are kind of, I think seeing that with Trey Lance, they took their big swing to get a guy with that level of talent and it could still work out, but it hasn't to this point. So instead, you build up this awesome roster. I mean, you mentioned it at left tackle and a defensive end, and they find Fred Warner in the third round, and uh, they find Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, and then you add Debo Samuel and Brandon Knight, and you just build up this really, really talented roster and go plug and play at quarterback. And it's worked to this point, and it's been sustainable. Three NFC title games in four years is something every team would take. My question, and it's one of my biggest questions going into Sunday, is can that work? when you're facing an elite guy on the other side of the ball, a guy, a a quarterback on the other side of the ball that is just going to make a play, no matter how good your defense is, which we saw in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, the Niners shut them down (coughs) until he hits the deep ball to Tyreek on third and long third and 15. I think it was because that's just Patrick Mahomes being individually brilliant and Brock Purdy for as good as he's been. Like if Sunday comes down to Brock Purdy, making an individually brilliant play or Jalen hurts, making an individually brilliant play, it's like eh, you're probably betting on Jalen Hurts to do that, and I think that's the kind of wall the 49ers are have run into and and may continue to run into. Also, if his name was just anything other than Brock Purdy, I feel like if he had a cool sounding
0: name with like many syllables <laughs> and like consonants in places they shouldn't be, and sure. you know maybe <laughs> may, maybe he'd be more exciting. But he, I mean, he hasn't turned it over, right? And and I mean, eight starts, we'll give him that Miami one too, and what, three interceptions, no fumbles. Um, He's accurate over the middle of the field. He's pretty decisive. He knows where to go. I- I'm with you, too. I-, I think they win this game. I have a hard time seeing them beating C- Cincinnati or Kansas City just because they're, they're going to be in that point that they were in against Kansas City the last time in the Super Bowl where Jimmy Garoppolo had to make that one throw to Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders. And Kyle Shanahan drew it up. It was perfect. It was there. It was open. And... Jimmy G was just, was just a little off. And I feel that's why they took the big swing at Trey Lance's. They, they know we have to get this elite guy and it mm-hmm. just hasn't worked out. Here they are again. Anyways. God, I mean, t- is there anything about Brock Purdy that we don't know? Right. I mean, everybody's talking about him nonstop. What what should people know about Brock Purdy that they might not know?
1: So there's this perception that the Niners have been more like pass heavy and they're like throwing the ball down the field more. And his A dot is a little longer than than Jimmy Garoppolo's was. His average depth of target, and he throws it. Oh, uh, look at you dropping deeper. these acronyms that I have no uh, no no clue what A was. Um, I, I, I when I when I do that on the radio when I say A dot, it just like poo, over because I mean my mom is casual NFL fan has no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. So um, no, so his his A dot's a little longer. He, he he throws twenty plus yards down the field more often than Jimmy Garoppolo does. But the thing he does in their offense that's different because they live in the same areas of the field, him and Jimmy. It's middle of the field, between the hashes. Uh, Purdy doesn't have the kind of arm where he's going to let it rip on that, you know, that deep out across the field. Like, that's just not his strength. But he's very good at moving around in the pocket and creating windows that Jimmy Garoppolo was not good at creating. You mentioned the Super Bowl and the overthrow to Emmanuel (laughs) Sanders. The play that really sticks out to me is after the Chiefs scored to make it a three-point game. It's either that or tied it. I forget the exact score. But the Niners had a second down, and they had George Kittle running one-on-one with Terrell Suggs in the middle of the field. And Terrell Suggs is great, but at that point of his career, he was not covering George Kittle. And Garoppolo found him, and he was going to be open for a huge gain, and Chris Jones gets his arm up and knocks it down. And that's the kind of play where I think Purdy recognizes the pass rush, moves in the pocket a little bit and creates that window. That's what he's been very, very good at. And that's why he's not throwing as many interceptions as Jimmy was, despite throwing to the same areas of the field, because he knows how to manage the pocket and knows how to create space where, okay, Debo's not open now, but if I slide this half step to my right, the throw will be there. And that's been that's really been the big difference. And then some of the stuff we see creating out of structure, the George Kittle bobbling catch like that was just all him and Purdy being, you know, on the same page and creating a play that that wasn't supposed to be there. But um, yeah, it's those those little minor things that he just does a, a, a little bit better, different arm angles. Um, he's, you know, not going to be as talented as Jalen Hurts, but he very much, especially for a rookie, knows what he's doing. He played in big games in college too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's not going to really be,
0: I mean, all struck. And I guess he was a little nervous that first half of the Seattle game. It seemed like he got. Mm-hmm. I feel like he maybe got those jitters out. And he's a, a packed stadium, people screaming at him. You know, the same fans that are are, are cheering for Michael Irvin's you know neck injury and right. throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. I, I feel like it's not really going to phase him. But that pass rush is different. I mean, you've got yeah. studs. Across the line, and and at some point he's going to be running for his life a little bit, and that everything you just described is really going to be put to the test in, in this matchup, I would think.
1: Yeah, and I, I i almost I almost think like I've changed my mind on this throughout the week because you saw what Dallas did to the Niners' offensive line. It was like, oh boy, it's going to be tough going against the Eagles' defense, or I'm sorry, against the Cowboys' defensive line, and now they go into Philly against an Eagles team with an even better defensive front. Like they have two defensive lines that would be the best defensive line on like 25 teams. So <laughs> they're just so, picking up Linval Joseph and Nadamik and yeah, Sue for the just, hell of it. Why not? Just yeah, Jordan Davis plays like here and there. <laughs> Jordan Davis into a rotational lineman. That's nuts, but <laughs>
0: totally forgot about their first row pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: just, yeah. 13th pick. Just a monster physically. Like, yeah, you can play 20 snaps. No. Um, so at first I was like, the Eagles are just going to cook. Like, it's going to be bad. The the Niners might score 15 points. But then I got to talking to some people and I got to thinking about it. And I actually think it'll benefit the Niners that they played Dallas and Dallas ate the way they did on the defensive line. Because I think we're going to see an adjustment from Kyle Shanahan and, and, mm-hmm. and the 49ers here. And I think it's been, it was good for Brock to uh be able to make some of the mistakes he made in those situations he made a couple of really ill-advised throws I thought and and got got lucky that uh they weren't intercepted but I think for the most part um he managed it pretty well and I expect him to do the same thing on on Sunday but his poise has been great but you mentioned that that Seattle game like there were definitely some jitters. he wasn't he wasn't great to start that game but he always catches it right he always figures it out there's been a couple times where he started a game slow but he always threw in game adjustments and I think just through kind of getting his sea legs starts to figure it out and starts to play better he never really spirals and has a truly awful game so even if he starts slow in Philly I I have some confidence that that he'll get his feet and, and wind up playing okay so you're telling me that he can sling it as opposed
0: to maybe the quarterback before him he can sling it
1: oh yeah yeah, I think just, so. Can, just, that, that was the turning
0: point, right? When a a, a certain former Forty Nine er running back uh, may may or may not have had some comments on Jimmy Garoppolo at uh, down down in Miami. But
1: oh, play. yeah. That's right. <laughs> sorry, th- Dude, I'm ball. sorry. That just went. That just. <laughs> oh my god! I totally I mean, forgot it, about that. I, I I kind of forgot <laughs> about it too.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, absolutely. You know, said yeah, said what he said. and Good, good for him and Jeff Wilson, confident guys. They love the talent in Miami. They were getting, uh, pretty juiced up for that matchup. And I, you know, part of me does get it. So he's got a lot of friends on, on the 49er team and yeah. a lot of ties there, but, uh, the back, the backtrack. And I, I just have a lot of respect for like a Mike Hilton, right? Burrowhead. We're going to Burrowhead. And then he didn't yeah. back down. He's doubling down. He's tripling down. I said what I said. Uh, but hey, it's okay, Raheem. Understand. I don't think he was wrong. You know, I'm not really the biggest Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I mean, he's, he's got his limitations. Mm-hmm. Everybody sees it. The 49ers saw it. That's why they traded what three first round picks to try to get uh, yeah. a special dude in Trey Lance. Uh, but I it, since that game, th- this team has just been unstoppable. I mean, and there's no disputing their talent. What? I guess what jumps to you most just on the overall talent? Is there a player we're not talking enough about? Is there a a back, a receiver, even somebody on the defensive side of the ball that, I mean, we've all been talking about this game and this matchup a, a million times over, but who who's a player in this talented bunch that maybe we should be talking about more?
1: I feel like, so Fred Warner gets talked about a lot, but I don't know if it's enough. He made that incredible play covering C.D. Lamb, right, where he shows blitz and then just gets depth at an incredible rate to go cover C.D. Lamb and force an incompletion. It's like one of one linebackers doing that. I, I think Fred Warner gets talked about enough, but I don't think his presence in the middle of the field like gets enough credit for how good the Niners defense is. Like being able to control that area of the field and just take that away from modern offenses that want to live there in that Kyle Shanahan kind of mold. Being able to take that away it's part of what makes like Nick Bosa is great, but the rest of their defensive line, it's part of what makes the rest of that group so productive and so game altering is because that quick throw just isn't there. And now you saw yeah. just Miami specifically, you saw Tua have to come off easy throws that he had been making all season and he had his worst game of the year to that point when you have to move your feet a little bit and you have to go to different progressions because Fred Warner and and Andre Greenlaw I don't want to leave him out are patrolling the middle of the field and doing a great job in coverage so the Niners pass rush gets all the headlines but to me it's what they do in the second level in coverage that really makes their defense go
0: I had to pull it up here I I had forgotten what year he was drafted that was 2018 yeah so you're talking about and we've got a lot of Bills fans listening to this podcast. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is a, is a lightning rod. There are people mm-hmm. who think he's really, really good. There are people like myself who think he's a bit overrated, especially when they're playing good opponents. And they traded up for him. 16th overall. Um, that's the same draft as Leighton Van Esch at 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of teams took a lot of line. I mean, that would have been Darius Leonard, right? Went to Indianapolis. And then way yeah. down there in the third round, you've got Fred Warner. Third round, yep. right? Why am I not seeing? Him yeah, here?
1: third rounder. Yeah, seventy-four yeah. overall, I think. You're right. All right,
0: seventy. Yeah, there he is. Seventy. Yeah,
1: yeah. He wow. so it was fat. So when they drafted him, I was actually working on Titans Wire, and um, that's where I got my start with the with the NFL Wire Network. And yeah, never knew that. I thought I thought that. The Titans needed Fred Warner. I think that year they wound up drafting on Brown. I think, but I was like, I was a huge Fred Warner guy, and wrote about him a ton for for the Titans and the Titans should draft him. And then the Niners get him. And was like, oh great, this is awesome because I've grew up a Niners fan. Um, so he's been he's been unbelievable. I think it's fascinating though, and you you talk about this in in your book with with tight ends and the evolution of that position. Fred Warner. Because the the gold standard for for Niners defenses for a while, or at least recently, was that 2011 2012 group. Yeah. I think Fred Warner, if you pick him up and drop him in 2011, he's probably playing strong safety. That's which really is I think point. part, of, which I think is part of what makes him such a good player in the middle of the field is just, I mean, he can get downhill and stop the run and get sideline to sideline and stuff. But what he does in coverage is just unbelievable. And I think Dre Greenlaw is yeah. kind of the same way. Two guys that would have been safeties ten years ago.
0: My God, and. I, you know, you look at Tremaine Edmonds, tall, strong, big, mm-hmm. muscular, can run. Can I mean, it seems like he's got everything. I, I I tend to think you can get a really good. I mean, Fred Warner would be the extreme, but you can really get a stud middle linebacker, inside linebacker in the third and fourth round, can't you? I I don't know. If you got to mm-hmm. somehow look for specific traits, like I wonder what they really saw in Fred Warner that nobody else saw, and it's kind of crazy that this, this is the same front office. The year before they took Ruben Foster, you know, right an epic bust. Yeah. So they, yeah. they, they missed on certain traits in him and then they, they nailed this one a year later. Well
1: Ruben Foster, to put it lightly, was a knucklehead.
0: Oh yeah. And, There's a lot more but, going on there.
1: Yeah. Super talented. Like when he what when he did play, I think it was his rookie year it was like, man, this this kid can play. But knucklehead, just off the field a disaster. But they almost went the opposite of that with Fred Warner, who Robert Sala called him his rookie year, called him like the smartest player he's ever coached. And Fred as a rookie middle linebacker in a four, three defense is wearing the green dot. And I think just out, out the gate, just where he was cerebrally was just so far in away way uh, above everybody else on their defense. And you see that now, like he just sees things before they happen that I think allow him to be a really good player.
0: God, I, I remember sitting down with Fred Warner. This would have been um, for that feature I had at Bleacher Report into 2019. So, like, they have rough season in 2018, a bunch of injuries. But going into that next year, I think they won, what, three games, Fred Warner's review. Four in
1: 2018. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he was the – I mean, really, what he said became the whole crux of that story. Um, I'm, I'm just pulling it up here. In so my opinion, I think it is in terms of this season being Super Bowl or bust. Off of a four-win season, he, he believed it was Super Bowl <laughs> or bust. If you're content with just winning the division, that's great. But the goal is that Lombardi, people around this building have been talking about it. The quest for six. Uh, he, I mean, I, I was blown away by how confident he was, how bold he was. He, You, know, you could tell every, everything he said he meant. It was deliberate, decisive. And this is a you know, linebacker going into his second season um, and he's only gotten better. So you're right. I mean, he really is a, a legit star perennial all pro that doesn't really get the credit he probably deserves. And, and now he's done it with two different coordinators and yeah. he kind of does the work of two players out there. So he, he's going to be huge, right? Against Jalen Hurt. So yeah kind of bring it back to the matchup. They're doing the RPO stuff. And if you don't bring a safety down, like if you don't have to bring that safety down and you can just have a linebacker read it all, you're going to have success, right? I mean, it, what, too, what's the key to stopping Jalen Hurts and that RPO action?
1: Man, um, I think I think you hit it on the head, like just not having your linebackers be over-aggressive. And yeah. that's something that Fred Warner, he does get caught up in that a little bit. Like if you go watch the the Falcons game from this year where the Niners go to Atlanta and lose to Marcus Mariota 28-14. Now Nick Bosa didn't play in that game but you would have thought the 49ers had never seen like a zone read or a ple- uh, an RPO ever. It was a mess. <laughs> and, and I, I think like that's why g- those... green Bay back in the Kaepernick
0: days, right? They, had a little, yes. Little, little yes. There.
1: Yeah. Clay Matthews just spinning around in, in circles out there. Um, So it, it just, it was, a, it was a mess. But I think part of that was, was Warner because Nick Bosa wasn't there trying to just overcompensate and make too many plays. Yeah, I don't think that'll be that'll be the case on on Sunday. Um, now, <laughs> if Jalen Hurts is going to scramble, like designed runs are, are less a concern to me. <laughs> it's it's Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw running around in coverage, yeah. and the middle of the field's open, and Jalen Hurts all of a sudden has thirty yards. Like that's that's the bigger thing. I think the Niners this year against designed runs on on quarterbacks allowed like two point six yards per carry or something like that. They had like a negative play so. That's not as big of a concern. The design stuff. It's it's what he does as a scrambler that I, I think could really kill them. We got to go. But if you can
0: hit us with a prediction, real quick.
1: So <laughs> I've been picking the Eagles all week, just because wow. the the two th- the two things are good. I try and do, I try not to be biased. Uh, the two like things it. are good at the interior. of Their defensive line is great, best in the league. The Niners' interior, of their offensive line, not very good. It's it's not a strong suit. And then the Niners haven't been... They've been secretly pretty bad at defending deep balls this year. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. something that Jalen Hurts really thrives at with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And those two things, it's like, man, that could wreck the Niners' offense with the Eagles' defensive line. And I think this game is going to come down to a couple of big plays, and that's where, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith on, on deep balls, you could see kind of swinging the game. But I've talked to some people who threw some numbers at me, and I... It's vibes. It's more just a vibes thing. Like, <laughs> I think the Niners like have a coaching edge here. Yeah. I think the Niners have a coaching edge a little bit. And I feel like the Eagles are carrying themselves like they've punched their ticket already. And mm-hmm. the 49ers, after they beat Dallas in the locker room, it was very much a like, it was like, okay, that's a week 20 victory, like on to week 21. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna reverse course here. I've been taking the Eagles all week, but I think the Niners went a close one, like 23-20. I did the same exact thing here. Kyle, you
0: are wise. You are a smart, smart man. Everybody file Kyle Madsen at Kyle a. Madsen on Twitter. Blue Wire, Niners Wire, all that good stuff. Thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate you filling in for Monus.
1: No doubt. Thanks, Doc.